Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. This week's episode is with physical therapist and sports performance coach, Dr. Kyle Adams. Kyle is the owner of Adams Performance in Richmond, where he works with some of the area's best athletes, including golfers who are often seen atop VSGA junior, amateur, and senior amateur leaderboards. In this conversation, he shares how the things we see at the tour level work their way down to his athletes and how he works with them to safely incorporate those things into their bodies and their games. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Kyle Adams. Kyle, thank you for joining us today on Golf in the Commonwealth. Uh, For those people who don't know you, Kyle Adams, Dr. Kyle Adams, um, and Adam's performance. Tell people who you are and what you do. I wear a couple of hats. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm both a physical therapist as well as a sports performance coach or strength coach, you know, so wear a few different hats. Um, but yeah, I'm the owner of Adam's Performance, um, also known as Adam's Performance Fitness and Physical Therapy. Um, and we are a small business here in Richmond and uh, Virginia. And we primarily work with young developing athletes at the high school, college, and uh, professional level. And I think um, more specifically, we are known for uh, working with baseball athletes as well as golfers. Um, and the golf program that we have is, is really my baby. Um, so, so that's kind of what we're known for, both the physical therapy side of things. And I will say we have a full orthopedic physical therapy practice. Uh, but we also have a, a pretty big sports performance program as well, where we train athletes in a semi-private environment. Yeah, I had the opportunity to meet you at an RVA9 outing, um, and mostly because you were carrying the same bag that I carry when I'm not carrying my VSGA bag, and that's a Jones Player Series bag. And then, and I had no idea, I just thought you were a guy with a great taste in golf bags. And then... <laughs> Um, got turned on to your Instagram a little bit and saw sort of this stable of great golfers in Virginia who, or even in just the Richmond area, who are working out at Adam's Performance. How did you, let's talk personally, how did you get into golf? I've always been around the game. I grew up a soccer player primarily. Um, I grew up in Newport News, Virginia, and then later moved to Pocosin. And uh, my dad's always been an avid golfer. You know, he's my right-hand man. And um, when I wasn't playing soccer, which was pretty much all the time, um, you know, occasionally, I I can't remember exactly when, but probably around the age of like nine or 10, I started to play a little bit more consistently with friends and stuff. Um, You know, we have great municipal public golf back in the Hampton Roads area. Um, my grandfather had a Monday tea time at 7 a.m. for 50 years at the Woodlands, which is my favorite golf course in the world, um, in Hampton, Virginia. Um, my other grandfather was actually a starter there as well. So kind of all the men in my family have been golfers. And um, because I played soccer so seriously for so long, golf has always been, you know, my hobby and kind of passion. And when I hung that up, you know, and went on to college and, and did, did not end up playing in college, ever since then, you know, golf has, has become that highly competitive thing for me, my outlet. Um, and over the years, that has naturally led to, you know, our specialty with, um, 
really taking a deep dive into the assessment of athletes and, and movement screening and all the skills that that I have and hopefully I'm good at as a physical therapist and as a movement specialist. Um, and, and we've integrated the Titleist Performance Institute process as part of our kind of onboarding assessment process. Um, and since So since we've built out in 2017 at the facility that we're at now, um, the, the golf performance program um, within Adams Performance has really become my baby. And, um, you know, we started, I'll tell you, uh, you know, it's, it's super exciting for me. I'm, I've become good friends with Mark Lynch, who's a VP over at Belmont that will be opening up soon. And, uh, you know, aside from being a, a friend professionally, Mark was really one of the first guys in the area that was kind enough to, you know, refer us a lot of uh, both amateur golfers uh, that were looking to play at the VSGA, you know, level with, with events and all that stuff um, and just everyday golfers. And we started to get a few golfers um, that were really both just avid club players that wanted to, you know, either get longer or, or most of them, frankly, to get healthy and figure out a way to play golf more often without being injured. And uh, we started to, be lucky enough to work with some some of the guys that compete, you know, at a high level um, at the VSGA uh, AM level. And we've had a number of those guys. Adam Houck's one of the guys we work with. He, he'll be playing in the USGA four ball at Chambers Bay this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, really excited to work with Cam Young, who won the senior uh, AM a couple of years ago. We're getting him healthy and he looks great. So, um, yeah. And, and finally, now. Uh, we've had the chance to really work with, with a lot of junior players too, which I, like I told you, just played around with this morning. And, uh, we actually have a few, uh, probably four or five, maybe six teaching professionals as well here in the Richmond area that are actually in the gym with us, um, during the week, working on improving their game and, um, kind of blending what we do with how they can help their students. Yeah, I saw that and I don't think he'd mind me shouting him out but ed gill who works oh, yeah. with our junior golf circuit was at your facility recently and i know ed is big into speed and that's one of the things that he he teaches a lot how have those types of advents in the game had an impact on what you do because i think that you know people are coming to you now to develop Whereas when you think of a physical therapist, you think I have an injury, I need to get better. And then I'm no longer with my physical therapist. And yeah. there come, people are coming to you now to develop and improve their, whether their range of motion or whatever it is. Talk a little bit about that. So everything with us, and it doesn't matter the athlete, um, but in golf, everything starts with the assessment. Um, so, you know, a lot of people wonder, like, what does that actually look like at the facility? So, you know, the first time we'll have a golfer come in and usually bring seven iron driver. Um, we've got some space in the facility that we can hit full shots and turf. And, um, you know, we sit down and just chat about goals, where the individual wants to go, um, both from a golf perspective and from a fitness and or body perspective. And everyone's different. And then typically from there, we always do the TPI screen. That's just our gold standard. It, it's kind of a 17 movement screen and it helps us be repeatable. Um, it helps us be objective about looking for certain things. And it also helps us develop patterns between just working with 
you know, probably hundreds of golfers at this, you know, hundred golfers at this point. And um, really from there, we have KVEST as well. So that provides some 3D data points in terms of how a golfer uses their body. So it's different than, than TrackMan. It's not a launch monitor. It doesn't provide us objective data with where the golf ball does or what we're trying to do with a golf club but it does tell us what that athlete is doing with their body. And then we take all of that information and like, Hey, what's the plan here? So we have some um, like Ed that comes in the facility three days a week and he lifts and trains with us. And there's components of flexibility and, you know, uh, mobility, getting stronger, always through the, you know, kind of core and, and lower half and really just making some, some educated choices on how in Ed's case, you know, to make him better. And it's the same with everyone. And um, I, I would say that there's, for us, there's sort of the three different types of players. There's the junior golfer that is typically always looking to safely develop physically um, and get longer because that's what plays in today's game. You just, there's just not many, you know, athletes out there that are going to come out and, you know, hit it 260 off the tee. And if you tell me that you want to play Division One golf, it's it's going to be very hard road for you um, if that's the case. So in those cases, you know, we're highly influenced by what's happening at the professional level as that works its way down to the college level and even the competitive amateur level. Um, I would say 16 and older, especially and, and distance and, and how do you acquire that is different for everyone. For some, it's things like super speed sticks that have become popular. There, there's so many different speed tools, underload, overload tools out there now. Um, and, and typically, we just like to chat with their golf coach because uh, most do have an instructor that they work with and just match up what we've seen, what our plan is with what their golf coach sees. And we can develop you know, from there. So that's kind of the junior piece. I would say the the club player piece, um, or even the the better amateur that is looking to to win, um, like a Virginia Am, we typically are looking at getting them as strong as possible so they can play a lot of golf and and do it while staying healthy. But typically, we're also looking to get a little bit longer with them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in in those cases, we're usually you know sometimes there's pre-existing injuries already. And so we're, we're paying more attention on those programs. How do we really improve flexibility um, and more importantly, resiliency, durability, which is never talked about really in our world. It's always just getting longer, getting Bryson big and strong. One of the reasons Bryson's big and strong, um, you know, is, is so he can stabilize a club face and, uh, and obviously swing it, you know, creating ball speeds over 200. Um, and there's scientific reasons he's doing that, which is great. So, so that's like the, the middle bucket of players. And then the last piece that we work with quite a bit is like the, the senior player that's still usually a club player. Um, we have three individuals that, you know, we think would have a chance at winning an AM title as a senior this year. And for them, it's, it's can we add some speed maybe, but with them, it's really how can we maintain, you know, because after you get over the 50 hump, we know that physiologically, you know, some things change in the body and we'll start to lose some distance. So in those cases, not only are we still dealing with longer pre-existing injuries, but our big focus on is, is on how do we maintain that distance? And, uh, and frankly, you know, it's, it's easier on the body if those folks can maintain some strength as well and hit more, you know, eight irons and nine irons into greens versus muscling hybrids and, and three irons, which is usually the case. And that adds up, you know, as well at that level. So 
So speed is obviously a loaded topic and one that we talk about every single day in the facility, but, but you have to be educated and refined in terms of how you try to add speed for the individual. Cause everyone's made differently. Everyone has different injury histories. And uh, you know, just cause you saw it on golf channel last night, doesn't make it a good fit for you. Right. That's a great point that I want to, I want to bring that back up and then we'll come back to that. Um, and somehow uh, some of the things that you talked about, like that we see at the tour level trickle down and maybe what people walk into your facility saying, Hey, I want to do this. And then you have to back them off a little bit and say, well, let's figure out what's right for your body. Let's come back with that right after a quick break. So Kyle, you mentioned that we're obviously in the work that you're doing. Um, folks are obviously influenced by what they see happening at a tour level and then trickling down. And then maybe you're sort of able to create a timeline for how to get them to perform up at that level based on where they might be. Um, but what are some of the things that sort of, uh, how is the Bryson DeChambeau movement impacting what you're doing? Because that's a, that's a big, like sort of never before seen as, as we would say, I think movement, uh, that we've not seen before. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely is right. Um, you know, with him, he's doing things in a very scientific way, you know, uh, you know, personality side everyone has their their opinions on that i think that gets wrapped up sometimes into what he's doing a little bit too much frankly but you know he's clearly made a decision by using technology science data um, and, and a more modern approach to where he feels like he can maximize his skill set without knowing him obviously right um, and that's all stuff that we believe in you know technology can always be uh, challenging and that you have to figure out what's useful data and what's not obviously and what is realistic for the individual to actually use as well. I, you know, in Bryson's case, and, and I think I'm very excited by what he's doing with Chris Como biomechanically um, and Josh Koch and some others that he's kind of worked with behind the scenes in terms of getting longer, um, figuring out how he is going to make himself the best player is you know very interesting and i think in his case number one he realizes that by adding a bunch of muscle mass he can produce you know more force and as long as he can sequence that well he can get a good bit longer um which he's clearly done i think i saw a stat he was i think he's like 21 yards average up from last year um and clearly he's had some re you know some results uh, that back that up mm -hmm. and i think a lot of us probably thought at the venue like the U.S. Open where the rough was thick and, and greens were, you know, crazy. It'd be hard for him to to score there, and he did. So I think that that type of a mentality where we say, all right, to simplify it, I'm going to get as long as I can and get as strong as I can, big in his case as I can, and I'm going to hit as long as the ball is going relatively straight through my practice, I'm going to hit it as far as humanly possible. And then I'm going to find it and I'm going to take my chances playing the, the statistics game from there in terms of getting it into the hole. Um, I think that that makes its way down into the junior game quite a bit. And I think that's me personally. I think it's a good thing uh, okay. when I when I see juniors that are like, man, I just want to hit it really hard. Um, I like that. Uh 
and I'm actually like not the best person in the world when it comes down to motor learning approaches and the exact windows of that, but it's, it's pretty clear um, in some capacity that junior athletes will develop a lot of their um, ability to develop power and length, especially in golf at a relatively young age. So I, I am definitely a fan of those that teach kids to kind of grip it, rip it, um, you know, swing with a good sequence, but be an athlete. I, I'm a fan of that type of approach with almost anything in sport because most of the science backs that up. Um, and that, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, learning how to hit, you know, a wedge at 80% when you're 16 is way less important than figuring out how to get as long as humanly possible. Um, but I don't think that they're, you know, mutually exclusive principles. Uh, and I think they're different things. So I, I think in the junior game, working on getting strong uh, is what's going to separate you from competition much earlier. Uh, you're going to be able to stay healthy, hitting the ball a long way. And then as I, I think as we see our athletes get older, by the time they get into college and early college, it's a big advantage when, you know, you can carry a golf ball to 9,300 and you can, you know, now attack a golf course by hitting a lot of shots at 80, 90% and be very consistent off the tee, but still be just as long as you would if you had not done that. Um, and, and then you bring in the same level typically of inaccuracy off the tee. So there's, I think that there's a pattern that ends up happening when you develop the right skills, getting longer early, um, when it comes to performance in junior golf. And we're just starting to see the tip of the spear on that. Uh -huh. That is going to be massively, massively important for years to come because tiger made golf cool. And now we see, you know, a lot of kids and we see it in all sports, but the reality is, is athletics and, and folks like us in the sports performance world, think we're getting better and more scientific about how do we properly kind of create athletes, if you will, and just help them along in the process. And I think the byproduct is in a lot of sports, you're just seeing a big change in terms of the type of, of athlete that's there and, and arguably probably more in golf than anything else. You know, a lot of the numbers in, in track and field haven't changed that drastically, but in other sports, you know, like the baseballs and the golfs, um, in women's sports, we're seeing a level of athleticism and performance that, you know, we probably haven't seen before. So I think at the higher levels, it's trickling down. Um, and there's going to be very few people to be clear that are going to add weight like Bryson. That's very hard to do to, um, you know, he's not drinking six organ shakes a day. He's clearly consuming, you know, six thousand calories plus every day for a long period of time to put that amount of mass on quickly. It's just physics. There's no way around that. Um, and that takes an insane, insane level of dedication, um, you know, relative to all the other practice and, and stuff that he has going on. So um, I, I think it's, it's massively influential in the performance world. Um, you know, how, how that plays out with club golfers, you know, that may be listening to this, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's as it's as important for most of those. You know, I think if it, if from my perspective, if you're doing things with a with a teacher to sequence your golf swing as optimally as you can for you and having a good plan there and hopefully your fitness approach, whether that's like in a place like ours or you're just out there running to stay fit or you have a home program, um, 
I think that if you can maximize just moving well and just kind of getting a little stronger over time, typically the distance will take care of itself. And, um, you know, unless you're the type of player that's out competing for a club championship every weekend, you know, you probably just need to figure out how to, to chip it and, and putt it better. And, uh, you know, just, just hit irons a little bit more consistently at the end of the day, like length, an extra 15 yards probably won't help you that much. Um, but having a, a mental approach to playing golf and managing your, managing your game probably goes way further for the average club golfer or, or just 30 handicap even than, you know, getting super long or insanely fit. You know, that's it, probably not going to translate as much um, when you can't make a five footer. For yeah, for an individual right now who maybe doesn't have the privilege of being able to uh, work out with someone like you or have a have a dedicated coach, what are some things that individuals can be doing right now as they get ready for the season uh, to sort of prepare their body? Yeah, great question. Um, number one, this is something that continues to get missed a lot in our world where we see injuries come from. So whether that's you know, I see a lot of uh, like lateral epicondylitis, right? Tennis elbow and golfers, it's actually more common than golfer's elbow, which is on the other side of the elbow. Um, but, but typically that is because we see golfer come out of the winter, finally gets warm like this week. And man, I'm going to go play and practice a bunch because I have the bug and I had no workload, AKA I was not hitting golf balls. And, you know, every time I'm taking a divot, all my muscles in the elbow and shoulder are slowing that golf club down. And we see this big spike in stress on the tendons. It's the same reason why we see big leaguers tear their hamstrings and their, their UCLs and end up with surgery the first two weeks of spring training because we work with a lot of those guys. And um, it's because we have a spike in workload. So if you're going to get out and start playing, and it's, it's been pretty cold and wet you know, here in Virginia um, this winter, unfortunately, just make sure that you're going out and starting to hit balls. And we actually like to see, I would much rather see someone go out three days a week if possible and hit 50 golf balls than go out one day a week and hit 200. Um, Cause if we can see small frequent doses that build over time, and then you start to work in playing nine holes, playing 18 um, and, and, you know, obviously typically one round of 18 holes isn't going to set you up for some injury, but if I can get out and start to practice a little bit, that's the number one way to just get into the season healthy and to try to avoid what can happen where you get these just kind of nagging injuries to start the year. And if, if that's an easy fix by building that workload progressively, um, it's the same way we build throwers arms over time. It's going to help skip that really frustrating step of being so fired up to play golf and you've got a buddy's trip in a month and before you know it you've got this you know nagging elbow um, that gets in the way of a lot of that so that's that's one thing in terms of just understanding why that's actually important um and can executing you, on that can you write a doctor's note for those of us who want those three days to go out and practice versus the one day that we only sort of get to do you, do you write doctor's notes for that yeah, happy to do that. Um, <laughs> happy to do that. Probably not enforceable at your local workplace, um, but, but uh, you know, whatever gets you out there. 
You know, I think the second thing is there's lots of great information on the internet nowadays. There's some stupid stuff out there. Uh, but if you, if you find a, I mean, if you're a golfer, go to the Titleist Performance Institute's, you know, website and their Instagram and their social, social media channels. And there's plenty of really good quality information um, when it comes to flexibility and strength training and really the basics of what we would do and just kind of figure out what do I like to do and how can I do that more consistently? Um, Cause that's the only other thing that we see is sometimes we'll see golfers that feel like they have to do something a certain way. Um, and there's lots of ways to skin a cat because ultimately we're trying to play golf more often, you know, not be in the gym as much as possible and be an all-star there, right? We want to play good golf and, and do it healthy as much as possible. Um, so, so just finding things that resonate with you that feel good, that don't cause any pain, go for it. And that for us as physical therapists versus kind of sport performance coaches or, or those trainers out there, pain is the differentiator in terms of where we go down two avenues. If, if you're starting to, to play or try to get in the gym and you're having pain, you know, like I'm biased, go see a physical therapist, right? Or go, go see an orthopedic provider, you know, Cairo. We've got lots of great medical professionals here in town to help with that. And if it feels good and you have no pain, just kind of listen to your body and, and find a rhythm and a routine that you like. And, uh, you know, just, just try to listen to people that take a pretty moderate approach. You know, I'm not a fan of those that take very campy, um, you know, one-sided approaches in terms of how to develop anything. Um, there's usually a pretty smart road that lies right in the middle for most folks. So use your best judgment and, and listen to your, you know, listen to your judgment. Sure. Thank you. Well, my final question to you, which you've already sort of answered though, is what's your favorite course in Virginia? Ooh. Um, yeah. So I think if you're gonna, I guess I have two answers. If you are going to make me play, I always say this one final round, um, I'm going to play the Woodlands in mm -hmm. Hampton, Virginia, right across from, from Hampton University, um, just because I grew up playing with my grandfather and all his, his old buddies and, and my dad. And, uh, you know, nostalgia reigns supreme. But outside of that, um, I mean, I was a member at, at Spring Creek for a while. It's hard to beat out there. When Belmont opens up, you know, three minutes away from our facility, um, I – Man, I'm so fired up about that place and what they've got going on over there. Um, you're going to see me at, at Belmont all the time, as much as time allows. So um, in terms of here pretty soon, if I'm going to play anywhere, it's going to be Belmont, no doubt about it. Before we wrap up, you have a podcast of your own. Who do you talk to? Where can people find that? And what would they get out of listening to that? Yeah, we, um, so it's, it's the AP sports science podcast, just short for Adams performance. Um, and we typically will sit down with some of our athletes. Um, you know, we've had, we've got some guys that are in the big leagues and going to be in the big leagues and getting their perspective on how they develop in daily routines and habits and nutrition and recovery and strength training and, you know, whoop band, all the, all the kind of hot topics in the performance world out there. Um, we, we've talked to some local, you know, golf instructors and we just like to showcase a wide variety of, of athletes that, that we work with and how they can use what we do more effectively and have a conversation about it. You can find it on um, Spotify, 
iTunes, pretty much anywhere. Dr. Kyle Adams, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to see you again. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth, and big thanks to Dr. Kyle Adams. I hope you'll take a second and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening, and please rate us and leave a review. Remember to visit your VSGA member club to renew your VSGA membership for 2021, or visit vsga.org and renew online. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the fairway soon.